0: We're back with today's edition of Going to Get the Mail with a Cocktail.
1: Welcome to Drop the Disc. This week's guest is doing his best to improve local government and private
0: leadership everywhere he goes. One tip I would give to to local governments, ours included, is trust the professionals right now. It gets beyond politics to me. This familiar face on the
1: show, Mr. Deke Copenhaver, has actually had to adjust his own business model
0: dramatically because of COVID-19. My friend James Brown used to like to say, hit it and quit it. (laughs) I could just just go to Texas El Paso and do my speech and come on home. Right. And what does
1: Deke think about non-local politics? about national politics and party politics
0: and how those might work to solve our problems. Thinking that political parties will heal our nation would be akin to me thinking the guy that broke my jaw in a bar fight was gonna set it and it would heal properly. Deke
1: Copenhaver has been a source for knowledge and leadership in the city of Augusta and internationally. Not only over the last few years, But ever since he ran for mayor in 2005, we're excited to have him back on in his first visit to our studio at Augusta Podcast Studio. Thank you for joining us. And this episode, like every episode, is presented by Nancy Powell of Powell & Associates. Real estate is such a complicated and interesting topic Everybody says, invest in real estate, buy a home, move into a home, you're better off than renting, but nobody is going to be the person that gives you all the information and advice to do so. Nancy Powell is that person. Nancy Powell not only guided Chris through buying a home for his family, but guides me every day buying homes for my personal investments. She is well-versed, she's intelligent, she's experienced, she's well-networked, she's a member. the metro chamber of commerce and she is the perfect person to go to if you have any questions about real estate if you are interested in buying if you're interested in selling if you're interested in investing contact nancy at downtown augusta broker on instagram dm her check her out she will help you she will make you more intelligent and we could not sign off on nancy powell enough times Nancy Powell, Powell & Associates, at Downtown Augusta Broker.
2: Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey guys, I'm David. And we are Drop the Disc Podcast. We are here with a
1: guest back onto the show. We are welcoming, I think for the first time in show history a Guest for the third time, yes. Technically speaking, yes, because yeah, he was
2: on the human rights, uh, oh, crap. Panel. fourth
1: time, fourth time, fourth time yeah, yeah,
2: that's right,
0: yeah.
1: And uh, did I, get
0: a, did I get a prize I for that. I think you're
1: best friend of the show. I think I yeah. maybe you get a plaque for that. I'm not sure. <laughs> Number one fan, Augusta's best. Number the next when... bracket is just gonna all be Deke, right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, with no further ado, this week's
0: guest is Deek Copenhagen. There Excellent. you go. If you Excellent. didn't know,
1: now you know.
2: <laughs> Our first episode with him was in the August and Co third floor. Right. Yep. On one mic, one microphone huddled together over a table. We were drinking whiskey and yeah. we are drinking whiskey now. Some yes. things have changed, some things haven't. And uh I would say that was in I want to say August. Of last year. Because a I had over just, a year I had ago, just yeah. gotten back from my uh, National Parks tour. There we go. From the West, That's right. That's right. You and had... I brought some uh, Yellowstone whiskey. That's right. You yeah. did. And, and I brought so the bullet. I would Yeah. yeah I there would we say go. that would be around August. So a year later, here we
1: are in wow. a
0: studio. <laughs> in a studio in a totally different world. Totally yes. different world. In <laughs> yes. a totally different world. Totally.
1: And, and Deke, <laughs> we're going to talk a lot about that later in this episode because you have really been leading... Uh, during this whole coronavirus pandemic. But first, we do want to give a little bit of a background story uh, on you to any new listeners that we might have that may not have heard the original episode.
0: Man, and I love the fact that you guys are getting new listeners. That's awesome. Oh, we do
1: too. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, people out there. You're really
0: coming up in the world, okay? And so,
1: so, Deke, uh, (coughs) you you were the mayor of Augusta. Tell us about that. Tell us about why that was such
0: a big deal. Yeah, well, (laughs) so... It's, it's interesting that I, I never had any want to go into politics, but I've just lived my life going where I see a great need. And I felt like we needed a new direction in our leadership, and frankly, we needed some younger leadership. So in 2005, when I was 37, I announced I was running for mayor to to, um, to replace, or not replace, but to fulfill Mayor Bob Young's unexpi- an unexpired term he had taken a job as Southeast Regional Director for Housing and Urban Development. So I was told I could never win, I wouldn't get 6% of the vote, I was too young, I hadn't paid my dues, but I won in 05. And then won in 2006, I had to run again in 06. And then in 2010 as well. So, but fortunately to me, one of the great things about Georgia is that local races are nonpartisan. So I'm happily independent, but we were discussing coming on air That at the local level, I think if you're too closely attached to a party, it can impugn your ability to govern because you've already alienated, particularly in a citywide situation, you've alienated a lot of your citizens. So I think it's good to be nonpartisan. And I always tell people that I was elected by in a city of 200,000 people by some people that, you know, not everybody voted for me. Not everybody voted at all, but I still always focused on serving the needs of everybody equally, all of my citizens.
1: And from a politician standpoint, you have this really interesting perspective that you've talked to us about where you are such a huge supporter of the arts community and such a huge supporter of, you know, uh, arts in the heart. I remember you talking Mm -hmm. about how much you love that festival uh, I remember that was a big selling point when you talked about bringing the Starbucks plant yep. to Augusta when yep. you were mayor. Um, and, and so I just want to give everybody a little backstory of who we're talking to right now. But the last time we interviewed you was because you had just written a book mm-hmm. called The Changemaker. Will you tell us a little bit
0: about that book? Yeah. so in, oh gosh, it's been three years ago, I guess, I was approached by Forbes Booked about writing a book on leadership. And I, I thought it was a joke or a scam. Do you know why they chose to approach you? I don't know if we asked that. <laughs> but I've written a monthly column on leadership for the Georgia Municipal Association for five years now. So they, they discovered me. They found me through the content I'd already produced. That's really cool. But so the book came out a year ago, May. It went to number one on the Amazon bestseller list in three separate categories last fall. And it continues even during COVID. It's just amazing to hear from people all over the world that are reading it. So I had a young man named Jericho reach out to me two weeks ago. I've got a conference call with him tomorrow. So he's one of the top 200 young leaders in Spain. I had been named one of the top 200 young leaders in Spain, 19 years old. But he read my book and just wanted to talk to me, telling me what an impact it made on him. So now... It's, you know, it's making its way in Spain. It's getting big in Australia. But a lot of and it... And you've,
1: you've talked <clears> to people <throat> online from Africa, from yeah. all around
0: the world. Yeah, it, it's pretty wild, to be honest. But it, it focuses on leadership is about bringing people together. And we were talking politics. Politics is about dividing and conquering to win elections. Yeah. But leadership is about making people feel safe, secure, you know, included that their voices are heard. And that is the type of leadership we need right now. We need trusted leadership that can calm the storms around us because Lord knows there are plenty of storms. Mm-hmm. So, when Forbes approached you about
1: the change maker, did you know what it was going to be about? Did you know what you were going to put in it? Because you have, <laughs> you know, you talk about the arts and how important yeah. they are. You talk <clears throat> about this theory that you have where most people. Are in the middle of the bell curve, yeah. and and you know they're they're the you know you hear silent majority mm-hmm. all the time. The middle ground is really what you consider to be that silent majority. While on both sides, you have the extremes being a little bit louder, and and all of that's in the book. Did you know that you were going to talk about all that? Yes.
0: Okay. And, and it's funny that when Forbes first came to me and when we had our first meeting, they said, "Well, you're going to have to target a demographic." And I thought, eh. you know, I didn't do that in office when I had a radio show for a year. I didn't do that. I've always spoken to the middle. And that developed me broad-based support in office. But I, I grew up a punk rock fan, and I didn't tell Forbes this, but I'm like, I'm not <laughs> doing it your way. So, so a year ago, last December, I had a conference call with my editor. And he said, you know, this is really going to appeal to a, a broad range of people. But that's—so I think because most people, at least ex-politicians or whatever, are not speaking to the middle of the bell curve, that's why it's being embraced by young, old, black, white, Democrat, Republican, but it's just common sense. Right. And I was speaking with a young lady out of Santa Fe yesterday, um, Angelica Laura, so awesome lady that she found the book in a hotel in, in Denver, when she went to see Oprah right before COVID hit, of course, yeah, of course. <laughs> but but she was talking about how much the the book has meant her. She's thirty three years old. Wow. But it's it's connecting with people in Spain, in New Mexico, in Washington State, and you know, in Africa, in Australia. But I think people want to hear stories of hope. Yeah. And they want to find hope in the world right now, and it. You know, I talk about my first wife's suicide. I cover some difficult subject matter there. But it's funny. I had a guy who's a um, very conservative Republican tell me he's like, man, I this is not at all what I thought the book was going to be. And I think he thought it was going to be about politics. He was like, it's just you getting up walking around naked for nine chapters. But I think that's that is re- such
1: an interesting <clears throat> description.
0: Yeah, well, that, that isn't. An, and I don't want to put any bad pictures in your <laughs> listeners' heads, but but it, it's you're showing oh, people who you are. It's honesty, right? And and that's that's with the young lady I had the conference call with yesterday. I said that's. I'm like, this is not a self-help book. It's really, to me, it's it's a book about because I'm still a work in progress, right? So I don't have all the answers and I admit that but it's me using life lessons to help other people at the end of the day and the young lady in Santa Fe was saying that she said you know during this whole thing I keep going back to your book and it gives me comfort and I thought that's that's very cool.
2: So last time you and I talked we were you know you were telling me about this awesome experience that your book was going to be placed in hotels what that's a big deal. Clearly, that's happened, and that now you know you just told us a, you know a little story about a someone picked up a book, <clears throat> contacted you from a hotel. Tell us a little bit about that accomplishment that you've made with the book.
0: Yeah, it's it's been interesting through COVID because I think everybody has to sort of reinvent themselves. I partnered with a lady named Jane Ubelmeyer out of Connecticut. She has a, a company called Bedside Reading. So she finds the offer, authors, but then she gets your books in five-star hotels nationwide. So this young lady, the Jacquard in Denver, is where she found it, as I say, when she went to see Oprah. But I was talking to the mayor several weeks ago, and he said, I talked to somebody that was just in D.C., and they were at the Mandarin Oriental, and your book was in their room. Wow. So, so even wow. though things have changed and my friend Jane has had to rework her business model the book is still out there. How did, how did you get that? <clears throat> why, why your book? <laughs> she, she found me. Wow. At, I, last December. She yeah. just reached out to me. So for, Forbes found me and Bedside Reading found me. And that's helped a lot more people to find me for sure. When we come back, we're going to catch up with Deke and
1: figure out how the change maker has changed his life personally. You're listening to the Drop the Disc podcast at Augusta Podcast Studio. So,
2: David, I'm looking over my uh, left shoulder over here, and I'm seeing the cyber buildings. And uh, the cyber buildings are this awesome facility, uh, Cyber Augusta, off Reynolds Street. And inside there, on the third floor, is this really cool place called the clubhouse. And this the clubhouse is not some kids' playground; it's actually a place for people that want to start a business and can do that there they can have office space they can have meetings there they can have now zoom calls everything uh to make sure with covid uh to make sure that everybody's safe and
1: it's a it's kind of like a share share space kind of situation it's almost like a local shared space concept exactly like This isn't something that someone brought here from Atlanta. This isn't a business in California that's opening a branch in Augusta. This is a man, Eric Parker, former guest of the show, who started a company in Augusta because he saw our potential to become the next cyber city in, in the United
2: States. Yes, and Eric is actually from Silicon Valley. He did a lot of work there, so he's seeing what's gone on there, and he he believes that that can be happening in Augusta, Georgia, and I believe it is already. And so if you're interested, if you're really curious on how you can make your business better, check out theclubhow.se, and that is their website. And there you will find out all the information you need. You'll find out who you need to contact, and I'm telling you guys, when you take your tour, you are going to
1: fall in love with the space. It doesn't seem like something that would be in Augusta. Exactly. So we talked to you about your book a lot about a year ago when we Mm -hmm. first had you on the show. Um, And we didn't talk as much about your book the last time when when we had you on. So I want to kind of hear from you about how did things did things change for you at all? After the book came out, I know that you, for example, uh, you were traveling mm-hmm. bef- obviously before COVID, yeah. Uh, you were traveling, you were doing book signings, you
0: were doing speeches. W- what did that look like? How you know, it, it, it's really, uh, and as I say, everybody has to be willing to pivot now. So, right, the year 2020, <clears throat> my the book. You know, as I say, it went to number one in three um, on Amazon's bestseller list in three separate categories last fall. We were starting to build momentum, getting in speaking engagements. I was able to go to the University of Texas, El Paso, and speak on March 10th.
1: I remember, I remember you posting about that. Yeah, which was— And March 10th, that's literally like the week before <laughs> everything in the whole world well, shut down, right? The,
0: the president did his remarks— March 11th that night. Oh, my goodness. So it literally, I got that one in. <laughs> you got home and you were like, oh, thank goodness I got home today. Yeah, thank goodness <laughs> I got home. But when I was, it went so well speaking to the students at UTEP. And I thought, well, here I'm going to be on college campuses every place. Yes. And this is my calling. Well, obviously, all the speaking engagements I had booked went out the window. So it took, I've been able to, during this whole process, Produce a tremendous amount of content, though. I've done a lot of nationally syndicated radio shows. I've done a lot of podcasts. I just did one out of Australia here recently that I believe you saw. I've blogged for Forbes. I've written for the Georgia Municipal Association. So if you go to my website, deke-copenhaver.com, that's deke-copenhaver.com, and you look at the media page, it's amazing how much current content is on there. And most of it's focused about leading in crisis. So when you
1: have these conversations with people, and you you just did a podcast in Australia, let's use that. Clearly, any listener in Augusta, I think, can think how we can apply leadership values in Augusta and how even maybe the United States could use a little bit of leadership training. What are people in other countries? What are people in Spain? What are people in Australia? What are they taking from this book?
0: Well, it's, it's interesting with Australia. Last fall on LinkedIn, I had a lady reach out to me, and her name is Carrie Grace. So she is a regional development CEO in New South Wales in Australia. So she shared with me that she was using a bu- the book as a tool to help her deal with the bushfires, which to me, somebody in a leadership position like that is doing... That's who's insane. Yeah, in, so we, we've kept up the right relationship, but Carrie introduced me to Zoe Ether, whose podcast I did from Australia. Got it. Zoe had read the book and had a couple of speaking engagements. She's a smart communities millennial guru in Australia, but she had read the book and she had a couple of speaking engagements in the U.S. in January. So she came to Augusta and spent a day with me. And it's just here again to see that, to know that, in Australia, in a situation like that, and going into COVID, that people are using my book as a, as a tool to guide them, that's extremely cool. But I will tell you this, in Australia, the federal government's handling of the bushfires was terrible from a public perspective. So their, their government's approval rating or trust rating in Australia in December of last year was 25%. Their their prime minister's approval rating in January was like thirty two percent. But they were able So they to, need that book. They well, they really need it. Well
2: and, or that perspective.
0: But yeah. they they obviously somehow learned from the Bushfires, but they worked throughout the process with COVID, they've worked in a bipartisan fashion. And now the prime minister's approval rating when last I checked is sixty six percent. And the 92% of Australian citizens in a recent poll said that the federal government had done a good or fair job in handling COVID-19. So I'm sitting there going, and I'm a competitive guy. I'm like, <laughs> can, can we not do that here? Right. You know, mm-hmm. and that's basically my focus locally was working with everybody. But now we've got a national model to where that's amazing. And granted, they're not as large as the U.S., but... That's if. But the sad thing here is I'm the eternal optimist. And I thought, well, this is great. You know, now that we're in the midst of a pandemic, politicians can work across party lines and be statesmen. We see how that worked out. So, so it's yeah. just and I, I honestly, from a political perspective, don't think whether it's the civil unrest or the pandemic, all of that couldn't come in a worse year than an election year. Yeah. You you can say that again. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm interested.
1: What is it that you think that we are missing here where, you know, so Australia is the example that you gave us. Um, what is it
0: that is preventing us from being there? It's the hyper partisan political situation. And is I, it a leadership problem though? I, I think it is a leadership problem. I, I honestly do. And there there are good leaders in, in politics in office, but it's just gotten to where it's so hyper partisan. And here again, leaders bring people together and they work with everybody. Mm -hmm. But in our political system, if you cross party lines to work on anything... You're a bad guy. Yeah, you're a bad guy. And I'm like, to me... how You're
2: you're betraying your own party.
0: Yes. And so I believe we need to put, whether it's at the local, state, or federal level, we need to put that we're Americans ahead of whatever our political party is. And that, that to me, is what's missing here. And I think I talk about in the book that... I've seen politicians run for office and I know them. And I'm like, that's not even the person I know, Mm. but they're coming out of character, their own character, to get elected. And I'm like, if I had to compromise my character to get ahead in business or in politics, I just wouldn't want to get ahead. They're not willing to walk around naked. They're not willing to walk around naked because <laughs> you're not going to get elected if you walk around naked right. for nine years. <laughs> right, right, right.
1: Um, so let so let's bring this to the present which we kind of are here right now. Yeah. You've mentioned, I mean, it's a mouthful the amount of things that you've been doing since COVID kind of onset. I'd like to start it off with yeah. uh, getting the mail with a cocktail. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes,
2: that was incredible. And guys at home, if you don't know what I'm talking about, follow Deke Cobenhaber on, on Instagram. Uh, on Instagram, yes. you, I don't know if he's still doing it. I have not done it, in but They
1: could come back by popular. Send mail. some mail. We're
2: talking about a campaign to get you and unite the community together. And it is
1: literally just people sending you mail. Yeah, and you would read it, and, and you, you would send. Thank them. You would walk to your you mail. mailbox. <laughs>
2: With a cocktail.
0: Yes. Can, can
2: you just, for this, for maybe David to make a soundbite of this, uh, could you say getting mail with a cocktail in your the way you would say it on Instagram?
0: We're back with today's edition of Going to Get the Mail with a Cocktail.
1: Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Thank See, you now, so much. Now you would have the two corgis with you. Now yes. I
2: would have the two
0: corgis <laughs> with you.
2: So, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, What? what... I mean, what, how did that come what about? What brings that on? Yeah. Did, did someone in your family say you should do it, or did you just say, I'm going to do this no, and see what happens? No, I just happens. said, I'm going
0: to do this and see what happens. And so <laughs> no, I'm sitting everybody was tr- sort of trying to make fun videos and s- stuff. And so right. just one afternoon, I just came up with the idea. I had no idea it was going to become as popular as it did, but I... I it might need to come back by popular demand.
2: And this was during quarantine, the first, this was, yeah, yes. the first
1: months of quarantine. I mean, I remember I would literally get up, I would check my phone, I would see your video, and I would watch <laughs> it every morning. And and often, I would be inspired to pour myself a cocktail. <laughs>
2: David David <laughs> called me. He's like, man, we need to write a letter. We need to do it. And I was like, let's do it, man. <laughs> and you I wrote guys like did. a
1: three paragraph. Like, it was pretty intense. Um. So... Getting the mail with a cocktail is is a really cool example though, of bringing people together, not necessarily for a purpose, not to benefit yourself, just to bring people together. You didn't get anything out of that except some really interesting some, letters. I'm some, sure some good mail <laughs> for sure. Um after that, what are some things you've been working on more specifically? I know you said you've been you've been blogging with Forbes. Yeah. you've been doing podcasts. I, I remember listening to a soundbite where you're talking about millennials being connective on their phones. Yeah, but Talk about what, what are your goals? What are, what are the things you've been trying to accomplish?
0: Well, I, I recently partnered with a young man named George Diaz. Okay. Um, he, is, he has a group called the Georgia Strategies Group. But he actually, his name was George Lopez. He was a reporter here for Channel 12. Poor and guy. No one probably took him seriously. Yeah, but, well, but, <laughs> but so his, his birth father's name was Diaz, so he okay. changed it. But 30-something years old, sharp as a tack, just great guy. So I've really pivoted to where I'm focused on doing virtual consulting and speaking engagements, particularly for local governments. So we just worked with Forbes to redevelop the landing page on my website so people can go check that out at dot copenhavercom Shameless plug. Shameless plug. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. We
2: know all about it. <laughs> yes. And,
0: and you can do a change maker assessment on the website as well. Really? Yeah. Really? But uh, interesting story. I So my whole, once again, my revenue model for to begin the year was to do speaking engagements because it's, my friend James Brown used to like to say, hit it and quit it. I, 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 could just, I could just go to Texas El Paso and do my speech and come on home. Right. But I didn't really want to engage in long-term um, consulting agreements with cities just because I didn't want to be on the road all the time. Right. But now that everything has gone virtual, I, and I was speaking to uh, a couple that are great friends of mine that are best-selling authors of The Submarine Way. So they've actually just moved would, back. To, would you recommend that book? I would highly recommend that book. But it's about inclusive and leadership. And they're, they're doing real well. It's very similar to my message. Deb, please,
1: please send me a link to that.
0: Yeah, I will. Um, John and Deb, if you're listening, John and Deb, <laughs> they just moved back to Augusta last week. So oh, congr- welcome, welcome, welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> welcome back, exactly. <laughs> but we were on a Zoom call, and they said, you know, you really need to be working with cities at this point. And I thought that you're right. So I'm, so I called George just to check in on him. His wife, formerly Christy Etheridge was an anchor here for channel 12, but a great girl, great friends. I was just checking on him and I told him, I really need somebody to help me push this and to be the, you know, be aggressive with this and everything. He's like, well, why don't you hire me? And I'm like, you know, I didn't even think about that, but it's really cool. I think it's, so I've got you know, nine years of experience in local government. He actually works for Rockdale County now, but it makes a good team. You know? And I, I like having a younger person on the team that's pushing me, that's got a different perspective. You guys know I've always supported the younger generation. Yes. But yeah. But I, I know that cities out there need a lot of help right now. An example, when I was in office when they passed the stimulus bill, so that was the largest... You're talking about the 2008, right? 2008 yeah. stimulus package? So that that was the largest spending bill in the history of the U.S. Ever. prior yeah. to you know, the CARES Act. Yeah. But one of the things right now, federal <laughs> funds are not going directly to local governments unless you're 500000 or over. So hopefully that will change and it's supposed to funnel through the state government to local governments. But I will tell you, You cannot pass a spending bill that large and come up with all the rules and regs to address them at the same time. So it's a moving target. So if you're a local government getting money, you know, the feds are going to change it because they just, it's physically impossible when you're you're talking trillions of dollars to come up with the rules and regs. So it's a messy process. But having been through that, I would hope that I could help with other communities in dealing with that. But it's, you know, there's a lot. And once again, I go back to what I said at the beginning. I like to go live my life going where the greatest need is. And for the experience I've had, you know, I've written a book on it. I think the greatest service I can provide right now is to help cities. So we're really in the infancy of pivoting that way. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I think it's going to be, uh, and the great thing is here again, I can help communities and local governments in Australia or Spain or any place right now, and I don't have to get on a plane. Yeah. Stick
1: around because when
0: we come back, we're going to talk to Deke about
1: how he's navigated and how he recommends others, especially state governments and his clients, to navigate in a post-COVID world. This is the Drop the Disc podcast. Thank you so much for listening.
2: You know, a lot of guests that we've had in here have looked at this little red book that we have on their, uh, on you know, the I table. saw I
1: saw Deek looking at it yeah. while we were talking.
2: Exactly, and uh, in last week when we had uh, Sean Cash and Dub uh, from Kicks 99 Wake Up Crew, they, they, were,
1: they were tearing pages <laughs> out. there loved <laughs>
2: they were, it. <laughs> they were loving it, especially page eighty-eight. And this little guide to Augusta, this little red book. Um, it's a one-stop shop. It's basically a magazine booklet of all the local boutiques, local shops, local services, local entertainment, local restaurants, all the F&B that you need locally, not just downtown, but the entire CSRA. And I'm telling you guys, there's also a local podcast. Shameless plug. But guys, Little Guide is a great place, a great business that will put your business out there for people. And the best part, David, it's free. It's free for consumers. Right. And so you'll walk into a restaurant or if... We give them out like candy in yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, a, it's something you can take home physically and put it on your coffee table for you to look through when you're bored, when you want to know what's going on or where to go. When your family comes into town and says, hey, visitors. what should we do? Exactly. Check out this book, flip through it, figure out what you want to do. And not only is it a good... Um, book for consumers. It's also a great company to work with. And David, you and I had that firsthand experience
1: with Stuart Rayburn. Prof- Professional photographer, came to our studio, made us look exceptionally good.
2: They they wrote a little spiel about us. We got to edit it. We got to fix it. And then it was done. So guys, look no further. Little got it to Augusta. It's right downtown. We're also looking over at it right now over our shoulder that's right um and if you want to know more about it we did have Stuart Rayburton into the studio who is the owner of Little Guide to Augusta
1: and he told us a lot more about it that's right check out that episode for more information Little Guide to Augusta is incredible yes so given your experience especially and this is something I didn't even think about, and I feel ashamed for not thinking about this, with the 2008 stimulus bill, what are some common maybe mistakes that you think that cities are making that that you think that you could help them rectify?
0: Well, I, I will tell you it, it's interesting because we had a situation here that I talk about in the book where we were applying for federal funding for a project um, redevelopment out near Goshen Plantation. And the, basically, the commission, and I believe it still stands its way, has to approve even our local government applying for federal funds, applying for a grant. So the deadline for the grant didn't allow for the commission to sign off on it. And I'm like, I'm not going to put this money at risk. I'm going to go ahead and sign off on it because it just – our process wouldn't allow for it. So that's – here again – the federal government it was a moving target, but Yeah. And uh, and
1: we had Mayor Davis on a few weeks ago and one thing that he talked about is the need
0: to sometimes
1: make quick decisions.
0: Yes. And that's that's one of the things that if if your government can't make quick decisions in this situation, that's the wrong answer. And I you know, I'm not sure how our local government now would handle that. But you do if it's, you know, giving the mayor authority to execute these things on a short term basis. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But in that situation, when it changes almost daily, when you're dealing with the federal government with a spending bill this large, somebody's got to be able to make a fast decision. But they've also got to be able to be accountable for them.
1: So I don't want to get you in trouble, but I have—I've been—I have this question Please. boiling in my mind. <laughs> we're drinking whiskey. Come on, <laughs> that's my excuse. Um, <laughs> you're advising cities. You're helping cities get through this crisis, and and you really want to be a mentor with cities just in general. Mm-hmm. You know, we're coming from Augusta, Georgia. We love our city. Uh, I'm interested in let's say Augusta was your client, and yeah. they brought you in. Uh, let's say Zoom because COVID, uh, yeah. they brought you in on Zoom and they, they said, hey, tell us what we need to do to uh, grow our city despite COVID, uh, you know, leave this situation healthy, you know, help our citizens X, Y, and Z. What would you
0: advise, what should the city of Augusta be doing? In any city, you need to check your egos and you need to present a united front as a governing body because that's how you're going to better address economic development. I can tell you that. So I'll give you a real world example. And I don't think Augusta would ever hire me as a consultant, <laughs> but, but it, it's a situation develop um, a situation from an economic development standpoint. So with cyber moving in, there are a, a lot of people that have to move here, right? But then there are people that can choose to move here, say defense contractors. So, i'd said and i'm cal ray of the development authority and i had drinks the other night i said i i think that this puts us in such a competitive advantage because if i've been in lockdown in the metro dc area and you know had all the civil unrest and everything if i was sitting on the fence about moving to augusta or not i'm thinking at this point augusta's looking pretty good and my concern is for major cities though because what so it's a situation where people are leaving, people who can afford to leave are leaving, you know. Resort real estate is just going, I mean, great guns. Yeah, I think California, a lot of people are leaving California yeah. right now. So, if you're if you can afford to leave, or you're a business that wants you know to be in a situation where your employees feel safe. So if people that can afford to leave and businesses begin to leave, that impacts your tax base. And I was telling somebody the other day, I'm like, then almost the question of defunding the police goes away because you're not going to have the resources to fund a lot of different parts of local government. So that long-term, that's a concern to me. I saw, I read an article last week, so I continue to research this stuff pretty much every day. but. Major retailers are not reopening in New York City. Right. You know, and and so I think the mid-sized cities, because people want to go where they have a good quality of life, a low cost of living, you know, they feel safe, they've got access to good medical care. So I I think you're really going to see a big shift of people to mid-sized cities and communities like Augusta. So my advice to, would really be for get ready com- for the people. Yeah, communities of similar sizes to us that you're you're in a better situation because I we walk the streets of Augusta. I mean, we had the human rights podcast. Right. We we've had no you know none of the demonstrations have turned violent, which to me is a great thing for the community and a selling point. Do We have racial issues, yes. Do we need to address them? Yes, but. You can walk, we can walk down, we're high above Broad Street and we can go down, walk down Broad Street and feel perfectly safe Mm -hmm. when there are other cities that that's not the case.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely say that again. Um, Now, this is obviously a very difficult time. Um, There's a lot of development that was going on in Augusta. In fact, you were one of the main figures in the all in Augusta campaign, Mm -hmm. which was trying to develop the, uh, the old train depot downtown. Do you think that what's going on right now, how do you think what's going on right now is going to affect Augusta? Because we know, like you just mentioned, these people from the military have to move here. These contractors are likely going to move here. People from Metro Atlanta, (laughs) There's a good chance a lot of them are going to move here because of all of the situations you mentioned. Their businesses can be open, they can shop, they can be safe, they can have a good cost of living, they can live really, really well. Um, how do you think
0: that COVID is going to affect these developments, and and in what way? In in the short term, yes, okay. I, I do because so the All in Augusta campaign we were raising money to help you know make the city more. Appealing to tourists and, and <clears throat> residents alike. Well, when this hit, you know, th- as far as charitable giving goes, I mean, I feel for so many of the nonprofits in the community because people are definitely tightening their belts yeah. and businesses are. And not to mention fundraising <laughs> events, they can't happen <laughs> right. anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, I've got a board meeting tonight to talk about a potential fundraising event that i shall remain nameless, but I'll say, you know, we, I'm on the board of the, of the exchange club and we had to cancel the fair. So we give money away to the local community and the fair was one of our big money makers that, yet we're not going to have that this fall. So there's sort of a multiplier effect, but I think we're so well positioned to come out of it. I, I will... So say, for us, it's not as much about
1: right now. It's about th- coming out of this in, let's say, six months, let's say yeah. a year.
0: Yeah. Oh, a- absolutely. And one tip I would give to two local governments, ours included, is trust the professionals right now. I was on the board of the Georgia Municipal Association for years and years. I am still write the column for them. But there there are organizations like that out there monitoring this every day. So take their advice. Here here again, take your egos you out of it, but there listen to the people that are, you know, professionals on this. And but it too, once again, from an economic development standpoint, local governments as best they can need to show a united front. You do not need infighting and backbiting. At this point, you you just need to put the needs above of your citizens, above any one district. That's that's what I'm hoping for with a new commission that they can really work together. So you've mentioned events and you mentioned a
1: specific event that we will not name that, that will be canceled last
0: and not for sure,
1: but <laughs> potentially. Um, but that's not a unique story. No. Um and we had Sean Cash and, and we had dub on last week from Kicks 99. And we asked them about Guitar Pool, which has yeah. been canceled, which yep. is a major staple. Arts in the Heart, your one of your favorite things about yep. Augusta, has been canceled. Right. Many, many concerts, many other events have been canceled. Yep. I really want to ask... Augusta National, no oh patrons. Oh, my gosh. Yep. No in patrons November. at yeah. the Masters. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to hear from you what your opinion, what your feedback is on this happening. Do you think that, uh do you think we're going to see cancellations for the next, you know, year plus? Do you think uh we're going to see a lot of, do you think that people are going to figure out live streaming and we're going to do more smaller live streaming kind of events? You're an insider, Deke. I'm interested <laughs> to hear what the insider has been hearing about events.
0: I, you know, that's, that's, what I think leads to almost a level of heightened anxiety. And people talk about people being on edge because in this situation, so I did a uh, podcast with a lady out of Columbus, Ohio, who started the Innovative Leadership Institute 20 years ago last week. And congratulations. And, well, I appreciate <laughs> To that, them. But, but so it felt like she was really looking to me for the answers. And I'm like, that's, I think in leadership positions, you have to admit right now, nobody has all the answers. I would not be surprised mm-hmm. to see us go more towards live streaming, but, but nobody knows at this point. You know, it looks like they're making progress on the vaccine. I don't think things are going to get back to some semblance of normal until we have a vaccine. But I know um, a lady who her husband – and both her teenage sons are immunocompromised. So right. when this began, they <clears throat> they built a plywood wall down the middle of their house. She lives on one side. They live on the other. I'm like, well, who's got the kitchen? She's like, oh, the boys do. But they have not left their property since this all began. Wow. And, I, and don't... Wow. Don't Holy in, moly. Don't intend to until there's a vaccine. So I... I wish I had a crystal ball on this one. I'm just hoping yeah. that we get in SEC football season. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Knock on wood if you're worried. Cause, <laughs> Cause I know, and I don't want to make light of this because the mental impact on people and particularly I feel for people. It's massive. With mental illness that are shut in, you know, I'm, it's just a, it's a terrible situation, but I will say, and this is, this is realistic. This isn't just a joke, but you've, you've, People rely on Georgia football around here, right? And people that I are, don't, but people do. Yeah, but people do. <laughs> I do. I but, feel bad for them. But people, but people that are you know on the edge of being depressed, anyways, when their whole life is built around right. watching the dogs on Saturdays, tailgating, yeah, yeah. Which I, I was telling somebody the other day. I, hunting season is going to be great this year for people for those of your listeners who are hunters because I'm like. It's social distancing. Yep. You can get outside. That's, right. that's why golf courses are going nuts because I think people just want to be outside.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, and that's definitely
1: right. Um, and and I think we're pretty close to getting I to our been closing question. I haven't question. been
2: talking much because I'm really just enjoying Chris this is like <laughs> Chris I'm, is like taking notes. Chris is like sitting here basically taking
1: notes. Yeah, this um, is great. <laughs> there was one more question I wanted to talk to you about. I, I heard... Uh, you know, I follow you on a lot of social medias and and I've seen this soundbite going around where you're talking about millennials being connective on their phones and how is this good? Is this bad? Well, (laughs) in your opinion, you said you think that it's a good thing and and you think that uh, if people can use their technology in in an, you know, altruistic way to work together, (laughs) then it benefits society. You've been doing all of these different interviews, all of these different things and there's got to be some positives that have come out of it. I want to hear about some positives that that either, you know, from shows you've done, some positive outcomes that you can talk to us about. Leave
0: us on a great note. Yeah, and and I will, but it, it's... And I've talked so much about it. It is the younger generation that gives me so much hope. So after I spoke at UTEP, I stayed connected to those students. And they all their posts on Instagram are positive. You know, maybe... Yeah. And I think about that generation and you guys, too, to a large degree. This is the first major worldwide event that this generation has seen. And I know it's got to be scary. But to talk to the young lady who I spoke to yesterday, who's a student at the University of Washington, 19 years old. She's writing her own book on leadership. The young man out of Spain is writing a book on leadership. (laughs) And so talking to people all over the world, and particularly the younger generation, people want change for the better. They want positive change. They do want to work together and say, how do we improve our communities? Well, we're so interconnected now that we we can do that. You know, you can connect people in ways that it gets beyond politics to me. It's yeah. just, it's people. I mean,
1: I don't want to say it's an absolute truth, but it really does seem like the world has become a smaller place in the last five months because everybody has said, okay, we're going to be talking online now yeah. and, and we're talking to everyone. And you've seen that. You've been a part oh, of that.
0: absolutely. So I spent a lot of time in Australia back during the mid-'90s and love Australia and was really, with all the connections I was developing over there back during the fall, I'm like, man, I'm going to get to go back in Australia um, uh, Zoe Ether, who I mentioned was looking at bringing me over to be a keynote speaker in Australia. So a good friend of mine, Gavin Hobson, who lives in Melbourne, I've not seen Gavin in years and years and years. So we, we had talked, we'd written, but we started doing Facebook live mm-hmm. and, or so basically I got to meet his kids and I, <clears throat> which I had never seen his kids before, and they're teenagers now. And so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a good thing that you can catch up with people that you and yeah. you don't have to get on a plane. So yeah. that, that interconnectivity, but connectivity, that's what I tell people, is that we are all connected in this through our humanity. And <clears throat> nobody has not been impacted in some way, shape, or form. So as a society we have the best opportunity I think we've ever had to really come together. But it's I, I, in the uh, in the piece for Forbes Books that I just sent you where I reference you guys. So to your listeners, I have a new blog out on Forbes Books. Look for D. Copenhagen for Forbes What do you Books. talk about? Le- is it leadership? Yeah, well, it's about that positive change in this environment, we have to do it ourselves. So you're talking specifically about personal
1: growth well, and you're talking specifically also about COVID and what's going on.
0: Yes, and, okay. but I make the point that basically thinking that political parties will heal our nation would be akin to me thinking the guy that broke my jaw in a bar fight was going to set it and it would heal properly. I'm like, they're divisive by nature, so it's got to be us.
2: Yeah. Are we, are we good
1: are we going are you do you have something else? I mean, I'm just I it's just so interesting what you've been doing. Like I I want to ask one more question go for and it then because I will silence I, myself. It's
2: okay because I've got a different question to end tonight. Oh, there we <laughs> go. I like
1: that. And don't go anywhere because you're about to hear that brand new last question for Deep Copenhaver. But first, we do have a message from one of our sponsors. We talk to a lot of different people on the show. And there's one element that always brings our conversations, one common ground that we can always talk to people about, and it's how much we and how much our guests always love the beer that Savannah River Brewery gives us. Uh, Savannah River Brewing Company is a local company that's a brewery. They not only distribute uh, to all of the, you know, you're talking Kroger, you're talking Publix, you're talking... Anywhere in the region, you can pick up their beer, but you can also go to their brew house. You can go to their venue and you can try small batches. You can try these incredible products that won't make it to the main shelves. In fact, the day of this recording, they are celebrating the 100th anniversary of women's right to vote, the 21st Amendment passing with a brand new stout woman's beer. They have these incredible beers. We are working with them right now on a five-in-five series where we're introducing the city to all of their different family members that work in the brewery. And we're working on a secret project with them. Yes, we are. That we're going to be talking about more in the future. Yes. But Savannah River Brewery, they're awesome. Please follow them on Facebook. Please follow them on social media because they do so many events. They have yoga in the morning on Saturdays. They have uh, the Hive that goes and prepares food in the brewery on Fridays. Incredible food. They do different deals, different beers. They have pint nights. They have specials. They have features. Check them out. Savannah River Brewing Company. So one thing that you mentioned is you don't know if we'll ever be back to normal. I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing because you, like you said, hey, I want to work with all these different governments. I want to work with different organizations. I want to work with state governments and local governments, but I don't want to travel. Yeah. And now it almost seems like we have accepted that there is a way to communicate without traveling. And, and it's, it can be a really good, and it can be a genuine and legitimate conversation. Um, and, and things can get done. Yeah. Whenever this ends, do you think that we're going to end off um, better than
0: when we started? I, I think we have the potential to do that. I honestly do. And I think everything happens for a reason. I've got a very strong faith, and I think that the good Lord is trying to send us a message to this. And maybe that message is, you guys get your act together and forget all mm-hmm. this trivial stuff and really come together. And now I've given you this tool to do it you can do this virtually you know almost, I, <clears throat> almost a reset button right almost yeah. a reset button yeah
1: i mean Absolutely. so so i'm going to end on this and this is <laughs> this is not a serious question this will this will be i love it so the sec just released their schedule yes. you're a georgia fan i'm an lsu fan chris is a florida fan yeah, so yes. you guys can duke it out afterwards well what do you we think Georgia's, out with you?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: what do you think Georgia's win loss is gonna be at the end of this season?
0: Everything I'm reading is ten, is ten and one with uh, a loss to Alabama during the regular That's season. That's it, just one loss to Alabama? Well, That's what I'm calling. Well, all right, I'm recording. So hold on,
2: <laughs> hold on. And also with this COVID, it won't be the largest cocktail party between us no it won't it'll no. be the smallest not.
1: potentially not yeah it'll be the smallest the largest well, virtual but, cocktail but party i
0: will have to say you know you look at that 4 gram stretch for georgia georgia is front end loaded it is i say one loss but golly <laughs> uh, they've got a tough road to i'll home. be
2: i i do want to add i will be curious to know how these teams play without fans
0: Right,
1: yeah, that's and, and For honestly... the SEC, yeah. that's huge. And, yeah. and from a, from an LSU perspective, like, Death Valley is, is insane, and, and from a Georgia perspective, yes. like, playing yeah. in Athens and is the insane. Swamp. And the Swamp. Right. All the Jorts. Yeah, I don't care about the Swamp. <laughs>
2: I'll go ahead and joke about the it. The Jorts squad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I said it. Um. All right, well, okay. I, I, will, I will now
2: yield the okay. rest of my time. So, so Dee, <laughs> this is the fourth time we've had you on, so you know how we end the episodes talking about dropping the diss you know what does that mean to you i'm not going to ask you to answer that for the fourth fourth time okay but i will say (laughs) in lieu of what we've been talking about with covid you know it for some people it's so easy to diss augusta for reasons we do not know but they just may not be looking for it but now having covid it's super easy to diss augusta so right in in these you know we've we've already said this will create almost a reset button. Yeah. So, Deke,
0: in COVID, why do you still love Augusta? And here again, I, as I mentioned, I, I follow what's going on in other cities. And I look at what's happening in Portland and in Seattle. And in, I've spoken to people with some of the issues that Atlanta's having. New York, I've got a nephew who's 36 who lives in New York. But having that broad perspective and broad worldview view. Gives me a real appreciation of where we live. I mean, I've in doing these Zoom calls all over the nation and all over the world, we can still get outside. You know, we can go to the Augusta Canal and go for a run, or and not everyone is that lucky. Not everyone is that lucky. So we're, we're very, we were before all this happened. But we are so blessed as a community. I mean, we're being impacted and it, it stinks that you know, the masters will have no patrons and that we won't have arts in the heart. But I, I think I was not worried about any of the demonstrations becoming violent here because I know that at the grassroots level, you know, we don't have a lot of conflict, which is something I think I saw in the paper the other day where a lady who had moved here, I believe it was from Philadelphia. She said, I was so worried about moving to the South and having racial issues and everything, but I am so proud to live in Augusta because all of those demonstrations have remained peaceful. So that, to me, having somebody that's new to the area say that is a good thing. And I think we don't need to take where we live for granted. We do live in a great place, it's gonna get better. But we've all got to pull together on this one. And it, it doesn't, it can't be all about the government getting us through this. It's got to be about us uniting as citizens.
1: And, and I'm interested in, in actually, this kind of gave me an, a thought, which is always dangerous. Um, <laughs> you know, we, Augusta's government has gotten a little bit of heat for how we've handled COVID 19. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that?
0: I, you know, in in a situation like this, in a leadership position, you're really damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. There's no completely right answer. I will say, I was asked on the Means Report recently, if you were governor, would you have opened up as soon? And I said, the governor's a friend of mine, and I wouldn't want to be in his position, but I probably would have waited a little longer. I think that The local mask order that the mayor did, I don't know that it's enforceable. I, I adhere to it though, because I think it's it's more of a leadership posturing kind of a situation. Well, I don't, I don't know that. I mean, I just think basically all the science says that it's a good thing to wear masks. And so, but that, that is the sad thing about it to me is that it's all become so political. And I'm like, and that's one of the things that they did in Australia and they did in Canada as well is the politicians let the, the scientists drive the conversation. And I think that if we could have done that here to begin with, that would have been the better way to do it. But, but here again, it is an election year, politics factor into everything, but I don't, I mean, I think all in all, our response, local government's response has not been bad.
1: Okay. And, and all of
0: that goes back
1: to what you said
0: originally, which is check your ego at the door. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and right. It's in, and I'll just sort of close with this. It, it, these are trying times because I tell people it's confusion leads to anxiety. And when you've got, you know, state orders and you've got local orders, right. and people are like, do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? Do I? It, it's just, but that goes back to my first point is we need trusted leadership right now. And I've always told people, look, I did a blog about this recently. If you're not a trusted leader going into a crisis, you're not going to be building trust within that crisis, I don't think, or it's very difficult, although Australia was an exception. There you go. Dean
1: Copenhaver, (laughs) head of Copenhaver Consulting, number one. Uh, bestseller in three different categories with your book on Amazon. <laughs> Former mayor of Augusta. Current mentor to city governments. Am I leaving anything out?
0: Um, husband to Melissa. And, husband. And Hoss's dad. Father to two corgis. <laughs> two, two corgis <laughs> and the chaper door. There you go. De, thank you so much for thank being here. For we coming. love every time we get to talk to yeah, you. And I do too. Thank you all.
1: Thank you for listening to the Drop the Disc podcast. We really appreciate your listening, and we know that you could spend your time elsewhere. We could not thank you enough for spending that time with us. Coming up next week, we have the continuation of our Augusta Rock series with John Kruger, an amazing local musician who we are so excited to bring to you. Thank you so much for sticking with us we Drop the Disc Podcast. My name is David. My co-host, his name is Chris. And we look forward to being able to talk to you guys next week.